0: Revelation 5, verse number 6. John says, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as it had been slain having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Don't worry about those details. (laughs) And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. When he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy, thou art worthy, to take the book and to open the seals thereof. For thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and hast made us unto our God, Kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. We'll rule with Christ. Heavenly Father, we pray that you'd help us to think straight, that our hearts might respond properly Mm. to what your word says. I pray that the preacher might not muddy the waters too poorly, too badly today. Speak to hearts, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I'd like to start by trying to paint a picture. And this is where things get very muddy because I'm a very poor painter. I leave that to my daughter. Despite being common, I hope it will never be true true of you, even though I'm going to paint you into the foreground of this uh, picture of mine. Your car has quit. You have no savings. You cannot afford to buy another vehicle. Because of previous problems, very sadly, your credit score is terrible. Your credit cards are maxed out. There's no way to get this car repaired. Your bank won't talk to you. The repair shop will not extend any credit to you. You are in trouble. What are you going to do? Well, there is, there is that very expensive diamond and ruby ring that your grandmother left to you so many years ago. It has value. You love it because of its relationship to her and you dearly loved grandma. It has been appraised at $10,000. You have a written statement by a reputable uh, jeweler to the value of this ring, but your financial circumstances seem to be pushing you toward the local pawn shop. Where are you gonna get the money you need for a new vehicle? Like you, I've never used the services of a pawn shop. So at this point, my, my, my painting may be a little more abstract than accurate. I haven't been there. I don't know all of the rules involved in this sort of thing. Let's say that uh, you're not aware of what to expect either. Hoping no one is watching, you enter the pawn shop there in this corner of Celtics and Green's Ferry. And uh, you have that ring in your pocket. The scruffy looking man behind the counter carefully looks at it and raises his eyebrows a little bit and then calls the manager over and they go off and they huddle for a little while. Then in a few minutes, the manager comes back and he offers you $3,000 for your $10,000 ring, telling you that they are being very generous in their offer. $3,000 is about what it would take to buy that used car that you have been looking at, and you're really, really hungry for that car, so you are willing to make this deal. You accept their offer. At that point, they tell you that the interest on their loan is 25% per month. They might also tell you that they will hold that ring in your name for six months and if you don't come back within that time and pay them their $3,000 plus the interest, they will put it in their display case and sell it. You will not get it back. Eight weeks later, after a financial windfall, you've robbed a liquor store or maybe uh, won a small lottery. You go back to the pawn shop and you redeem your ring, paying more than a thousand dollars to that guy over what he loaned you in the first place. In my picture, I use the word redeemed. You redeemed your ring. You bought it back from the loan shark. Redemption is a very or a relatively common word. It is found many times in the Word of God, and I'll give you some of these scriptures here in just a minute. It is used commonly in our society, but it has a very special meaning when it comes to the Word of God. It it refers to the salvation, the deliverance that we might have from the penalty of our sins. Other biblical words that describe salvation are regeneration and conversion and propitiation. And the word that was highlighted last week is reconciliation. And my message kind of uh, runs along with that. Also with our Sunday school lesson, also with some of the hymns that we sang this morning, they all interrelated Each one of those terms, regeneration, conversion, and so on, speak of different aspects of God's gift of salvation from the judgment of our sins. Redemption is something we all desperately need because there are things about our souls which parallel that deal we made with the pawn shop. I'll try to explain. If you have not been redeemed, you will never be reconciled to God. uh, Shall I say, fully reconciled to God. We need restoration and reconciliation with God because we are all, without exception, sinners in the sight of God. We are horrible in His sight. We may look good to our neighbor, but in God's sight, the side of holiness, we are in trouble. We need, you need to be brought back to the Lord and into some sort of friendly fellowship with Him. There can be no reconciliation without redemption. In our text here in Revelation chapter 5, we're given a glimpse into heaven during a day which is Off there in the future, the people of God, looking at the Lamb of God, who had taken away their sins, began to sing a new song. Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood of By thy blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And that takes us back to last week's lesson. The Lamb of God, whom we are told in many other scriptures, is in fact the Son of God, was slain. That is, he was executed by the Romans at the behest of the Jews in his day, dying on a cross, just as it was prophesied very early on in the old testament and with the blood that he shed at calvary he redeemed those singing people he bought those singing people bringing them to himself and the lord and those people came out of uh, of uh, uh, america and came out of um, africa Uh, Indonesia, there were even a few Canadians involved in there. Revelation chapter 5 is future. But the Apostle Peter, in his first epistle, addressed living, breathing people in his day, in his time. He said, for as much as ye know that ye were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. First Peter chapter 1, I believe it's verse number 18. Just as clearly as the people already in heaven, Peter's readers knew that they had been redeemed. They knew exactly how. It was through the precious blood, valuable blood of Christ. They knew this because the Bible told them... And they believed what the Bible said. They heard the gospel, the good news. They believed what the gospel said. They put their faith in Christ, the Lamb of God. That was in Peter's day. So we have those people way off in the future. We have those people in Peter's day. Now the question is, do we possess that redemption? Do we know whether or not we are Or have been reconciled to God through the precious blood of Christ? Maybe we're not sure because we don't know the terminology very well. Redemption speaks of liberation. More specifically, to release after the payment of a ransom. Keep that definition in mind as I give you a few New Testament scriptures. The first of these refers to the redemption of Israel, to which I will come back in just a minute. Moses had said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. Two Christians on the road to Emmaus said of Christ, after his death, after his crucifixion, We had trusted that it had been He which should have redeemed Israel. We hoped Jesus would have been the Messiah here to liberate us from the Romans just as Moses liberated our forefathers from the land of Egypt. On a higher level, a spiritual level, we read, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. Christ came to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. He gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity, sin. Those scriptures use the verb to redeem, Here are some others which use the noun, redemption. Christians are sinners who have been justified freely by God's grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. But God of God are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us, Wisdom and righteousness and sanctification. Christ has been made our redemption. And for this cause, he, Christ, is the mediator of the New Testament. By that, by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were made under the Old Testament, which that wit that they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. In Christ Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, yes. the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. All of these scriptures come to us from the New Testament, but there are a bunch of others in the Old Testament that speak about the same sort of thing. Same parallels. And obviously, if there are so many statements coming from the Bible, this is important. This is something we need to understand to some degree. Do you understand it? You probably never will understand it if you haven't experienced it. Redemption. This is important. It's extremely important because you are that diamond ring And you have been pawned into the vault of the law of God against you. Our our father, Adam, was the first person to enslave himself to sin when he responded to the temptation of Satan. He put himself under the judgment of God by breaking God's first commandment. And through his sin, he committed himself into the pawn shop of the law. I hope you can follow my illustration here. I'm really worried about it. (laughs) He became a slave to the owner of the shop. And like it or not, the children of slaves are themselves born right there in that dismal shop. Mm -hmm. They're not born free. (laughs) They're slaves. That's not my religious philosophy, and that's not a part of my biblical theology. That's what the Bible says. We are born sinners. We are born pawned. Mm. By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, Romans 5, 19. That one man was Adam... And his sin is clearly seen in Genesis 3. And those many who are made sinners are actually every single one of us. All of us. David nailed it when he said, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. I was born in sin. In sin did my mother conceive me. Not just in my birth, He's not referring to some immorality that his mother committed when she was younger. He was expressing the biblical doctrine that all our parents are sinners. Prisoners to the pawnmaster, master. And all of their children come into this world just like themselves. And now, for 6,000 plus years... Death has reigned over mankind because Adam made us all sinners. But there is redemption available. In the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus, as the name implies, we have the account of Israel's departure from Egypt, their exodus from Egypt, One of the great themes of that book is the redemption that made the Exodus possible. And the story of Israel's deliverance bears details very similar to our own salvation from sin. The nation of Israel was enslaved in Egypt, pawned, you might say. The people had no personal freedom. There were no chains on their legs requiring them to stay in that country. Uh, But they couldn't leave either. They didn't have any place to go. They couldn't worship the Lord the way they should. They didn't worship the Lord at all. They were outside the land of promise. They were not in the Lord's jewelry box. Their lives were not their own. They had been pawned. But then the gracious God stepped in providing a way of escape. It was called the Passover. A lamb, or if the family couldn't afford a lamb, a goat was sacrificed. The blood of the animal was collected in a a pan and then with a special uh, uh, paintbrush of weeds. That blood was painted around the door into the home of these who believed and and responded to the, the message that was given by the Lord. In that sacrifice, and in the application of that sacrificial blood, God's judgment upon the sinners of Israel was deferred. The price of redemption was paid by the death yes. of that lamb, who is a picture of that other lamb that we read of in Revelation. So the death angel passed over those homes and did not stop. There was no death in these homes because the inhabitants had been redeemed by the blood. Then the next day, those Israelites who were redeemed by the blood exited Israel, excuse me, Egypt. There are two Old Testament Hebrew words which are translated redeem. I'm told that they have slightly different meanings, but they are clearly related. One means to buy back, to redeem, to redeem through the payment of a ransom. In the case of Israel, the ransom payment was the blood of the Passover lamb. The other word, Hebrew word, means to loose. And in the case of Israel, it corresponds to the exodus. There was a day when the owner of the pawn shop received the payment the law demanded. And later in the day, the ring was returned to the proper jewel box. Ransom and exodus. Now in the New Testament, there's only one word translated redemption, and it combines both ideas. In the gospel, redemption involves the release of the captive upon receipt of payment. Christ Jesus came into this world to die. As he himself said, and as others have said, he came to give his life a ransom for many. Matthew 20, 28. He gave Himself for our sins, that He might deliver us. Galatians 1, four. In Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace. The ransom necessary to save the firstborn sons of Israel was the sacrifice of God's beloved Lamb, yeah. His only begotten Son. To whom was the sacrifice made? It wasn't given to Pharaoh. It wasn't given to Satan. It wasn't to any of Israel's uh, uh, taskmasters. It was not to any human being or earthly power. The sacrifice was paid to satisfy the demands of the law against the sinner. Our enslavement is to sin. And the ransom is necessary because of sin. Our sins have offended God to a a degree that we will never fully understand. We in our sins have broken His eternal law. So the redemption providing our exodus is paid to Jehovah in order to satisfy the demands that His law has against us. As Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us on our behalf. I hope, I hope you can see the principles involved here. I hope you understand the logic. It is spiritual logic, but it is logical. But I don't want you to I don't want to leave you there. I I want to magnify and sanctify your thoughts about that redemption. Even though the principles of sinfulness and redemption make sense, this is not a mental exercise that we're going through here this morning. It takes the operation of the Spirit of God, applying the blood of the Son of God, To redeem the soul imprisoned under the rules of divine judgment. So to that end, take just a few minutes here, to try to lift our thoughts to a a higher level. I'd like to magnify the price of the redemption necessary to deliver us from sin and judgment. I'll start with asking, what is the value of your soul? What is the value of a soul? The Bible says that it is of greater value than the wealth of the world. Let me look at it from a different direction. After I point out, the vast majority of the people of this world consider the soul to be unimportant. Unimportant maybe has no value at all. To most people, the important things of life are to enjoy the moment, to have fun, to feel the adrenaline, to take what few dollars that we have scraped together and buy a new toy, enjoy something for a little while, scratch the current itch, that sort of thing. And they say, forget about tomorrow. We'll deal with the problems that come up tomorrow. Tomorrow, even if we have to pawn something to get us by tomorrow. Paul described this sort of thing when he reminded the Christians in Ephesus, and you hath he quickened, you hath he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past ye walked according to the course of this world, According to the prince of the power of the air, that spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, you were there, among whom also we all had our conversation, our lives in times past, living in the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We're all there. We've all been there. Why do we... Why have all of us, early in our lives, lived without any consideration for our souls? It's the flesh. It's the pleasure. It's the moment. Isn't it because we simply didn't understand the value of the soul? What if we start there? Like that diamond and ruby ring, or the gold which makes the band that holds it together, Your soul has intrinsic value. That means it has built-in value. A diamond has value, no matter where it is. Part of that value is the fact that your soul is eternal. It will never die. That gives it extraordinary worth. Diamonds are worth more than paper. You throw both into a fire, you get diamonds back out, but you don't get any paper. It's consumed. As I have heard somewhere, diamonds are forever. (laughs) When it comes to your soul, whether in heaven or in the lake of fire, it will go on and on and on forever. That makes it valuable. As an illustration, let's say that your soul is worth 10,000 units, whatever that is. It's just a number. It may be covered in sin. It may be filthy in the sight of the Lord, but it is still valued at 10,000 units. God may not like to look at your soul. It is so miserable. It is so wretched. As John Newton knew. As George Whitfield knew, as most of us have come to see since the Lord has dealt with us, we're wretched. Because of the sin debt with which you were born, and because of the debt that you are racking up constantly during your lives, you have been locked into the vault of the pawn shop of God's judgment, and your debt is increasing. Constantly, As the Apostle says in Romans 2, Despisest thou the riches of God's goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God is designed to lead you to repentance? But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasurest up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. God who will render to every man according to his deeds. The interest against your debt is accruing. It is constantly rising. It will take far more than 10,000 to redeem you. Far more. But that's all you're worth it will take the sacrificial blood of God's own Son, the Lamb of God. If you had 10,000 credits to your account, it would not be sufficient to redeem your souls. Your your shopkeeper considers your value to be 10% of its actual value. Not even if your family could gather 100,000 credits. It's not sufficient to buy your redemption. There's only one payment acceptable to the law of God. That is the death and the blood of Christ Jesus. Only in Jesus Christ have we redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. If there's someone listening by way of sermon audio or whatever, someone's listening to the sound of my voice who would like to be reconciled to God. I pray that there are many. You must know that you need to be redeemed first. If you would like, as they say, to go to heaven when you die, there's nothing you can do to make that possible. You are powerless to do anything about that. There's nothing you can do to redeem yourself. And there are no priests out there and there are no family members who can gather enough value to buy your soul out of judgment. But there is the glorious message of the gospel. Christ is willing to pay the ransom necessary to save you, deliver you, redeem you. The value of the Son of God is astronomical. His value is measureless. He gave His life on Calvary to make an atonement for your soul. To redeem many. And here's the most fabulous fact. All you need to do is humbly receive the payment that Christ has made for yes, you. Right. <clears throat> There's nothing else to do. Yeah. You, don't, you yeah. can't be baptized in order to uh, receive this payment. It's not like joining a church to get the effects of this. It is almost ludicrously simple. Believe the promise of God, trusting that Christ died in your place to pay your ransom. If you'll do that, God has promised to accept Christ's payment and to settle your debt forever. It's gone. You're out of the pawn shop, out of Egypt. The Lord is ready with all that's necessary to redeem the soul that will turn to him in repentance and faith. The message of the gospel is this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I, I beg you to acknowledge your sin debt before God. I pray that you understand that there is nothing you can do about that debt. But in Christ there is a ransom. Amen. Just receive it. Receive Christ. Receive that blood. Take it to yourself. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Please stand.